0: and be in prayer.
1: Welcome to Turning Point. Now more than ever, it's vital to stay focused on Christ. But how can we do that when the world is in such a volatile state? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals how the Apostle Paul addressed this issue when Colossian believers asked the same question. From the series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Here's David to introduce today's message, Stay Centered.
0: Thank you for joining us and for being a part of the Turning Point Network of people who love the Word of God, who tune in every day from all over the world as we open the Scriptures together. The Gathering Point is not David Jeremiah. The Gathering Point is the Scripture. We love the Word of God, and so we spend this time every day for 25 minutes or so just Talking about the scripture and trying to learn how to apply it to our own lives. Today, uh, we go to a rather familiar passage in Colossians chapter 3. The message today is called Stay Centered, and uh, we're going to get started on that here in just a few moments. But first, as we begin this new week, kind of the second half of our monthly series, we offer you this book How Can You Weather Tumultuous Times with a Calm Heart? What does it truly mean to wait on the Lord? What is Jesus saying to our world today? Can we take a broken world and rebuild it into something fruitful? All of these questions are answered in this book. We live in an unsettled time, but we don't need to be confused or frightened. When you and I stay committed to God's will and walk moment by moment with Him, we can live with confidence and hope in a chaotic Environment. So we're going to talk about that on the air, but that's what's in this book. The book is yours for the asking. When you send a gift to Turning Point of any size, simply ask for the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. We'll send it to you right away. Well, it's interesting how easy it is for us to get off message. Isn't that true? Uh, especially when we're living in chaos. We forget who we are, what we do, what life is all about. And most of all, if we're not careful, we forget to stay centered on Jesus Christ. I just read a story about a pastor who was very, very used of God for many years, 20 years, wrote books, preached, and then all of a sudden one day, it was over. He had stopped believing. He denounced his faith. He walked away from his family and ultimately confessed that he did not believe there was a God And I heard that story, and I was telling a friend, that didn't happen overnight. I mean, he couldn't have been who he was at the beginning and all of a sudden the next day not be any part of that man. No, it was a slow leak. It was a little bit of a concession. It was a drifting away. When we don't stay centered, we drift. Let's find out how to keep from doing that on today's program. In the series that I preached and the book that I wrote entitled, What in the World is Going On, I summarized 10 of these events and related them to the prophetic word of God. Among other things, we talked about the rebirth of Israel as a nation and the redistribution of wealth through oil and the realignment of Europe and the rise of radical Islam and the resurgence of Russia. And then the book was finished and along came the reversal of the financial markets and any one of these events by themselves might not cause us a concern. But all of them taken together present a troubling and frightening picture. And the Bible speaks of such a time that is going to take place in the future. According to the Bible, this is going to be the way it is before the return of the Lord. And in the book of First Thessalonians chapter five, we are told, that concerning the times and the seasons, we have no need that I should write to you, said Paul. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when people will say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, now watch this, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman, really is a picture of the situation we face today. The signs that precede the coming of the Lord will be like the labor pains of a pregnant woman. These will become more and more intense. That's what happens in the labor pains of a pregnant woman. The pain becomes more and more intense, and the contractions get closer together. That's how we know the baby's about to be born. Every woman here is right now remembering that and asking me not to talk about it anymore so I will just go on but the Bible says that in the future the things the signs of the times will be like that the signs will become more intense and they will get closer together when that happens we will know something is dramatic on the scene and I don't have to illustrate that any further we all know that's what we're experiencing We used to have earthquakes every once in a while. We have them a lot now. We used to have storms every once in a while, but now we have them all the time. They're just getting closer and closer together. So I don't think I need to spend any more time today convincing you that we're living in a different time. Some people call it a disintegrating culture. The question, however, that's in all of our minds is this. It's not what in the world is going on anymore. It's what on earth do I do? How can I live with confidence in a chaotic world? And I'd like to suggest to you that there are some instructions in the word of God to help us answer that question. What if I told you that in the very verses of the New Testament that tell us that Jesus is coming back, he gives us the clues as to how we are to live while we're waiting for that to happen. We don't have to look outside the context and I am going to unpack these verses and we're gonna look at each one of them and we're gonna come up with a strategy based upon the scripture to help us live with confidence in a chaotic world. Say that with me. Live with confidence in a chaotic world. We begin with the book of Colossians. And if you've opened your Bibles to the book of Colossians and the third chapter, here's what it says. If then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you shall also appear with him in glory. Now, notice the end of the verse. There is the reference to the return of Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, says the word of God, then you also will appear with him in glory. We believe that he's going to appear one day, and we've learned that when he comes back for the second advent, we're going to come with him as he sets up his kingdom. That's going to take place. But now, if you go all the way back to the beginning of this passage and the first verse, you will see that... We've been given some instruction here as to how we're to function in light of the fact that Jesus is going to come back. Read it again. It says, set your affection on things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Immediately, Paul gives us two dynamic instructions, and may I suggest to you that these are, in the language of the New Testament, these are imperatives. These are not optional. He doesn't tell us to do this if we decide we would like to do it. These are instructions that are given to us. Set your affection, set your heart, and set your mind. Notice, first of all, he tells us we're to set our hearts on something. Now, when you set your heart on something... That means you're looking forward to it. You have your emotions wrapped up in it and you are thankful for the opportunity to look forward to whatever it is you've set your heart on. The Bible tells us we're to set our hearts on things above. And this present active imperative is a command which has an enduring quality. It means to continue to do that, not just do it once, but let this be a growing emotion in your heart that more and more you think about heaven. And what's there? And most of all, who's there? A better way to say this would be, learn how to pursue the things of heaven. Now, the psychologist tells us that we should look within. The opportunists tell us that we should look around. The optimist says we should look ahead. The pessimist says we should look out. And God says we should look up. In the midst of the chaos of our generation, we are to seek a perspective that can come only from God. Just as the compass points north, our entire disposition should be trained so that it points toward the things of God and the things of heaven. We are to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that we are citizens of that place toward which We are encouraged to focus our attention. Philippians tells us that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Now, it says, not only are we to set our hearts on heaven, but we're to set our minds on heaven. Notice the second instruction. We must not only seek heaven, we must think heaven. Staying centered on Jesus involves our minds as well as our emotions. We are to mind heavenly things. The focus of our mind is not so much to be on the place we call heaven, but on the spiritual reality of heaven that controls our whole motivation. This is to be our pattern of life as we are followers of Christ. Now, if you'll notice in this second instruction, there is a corresponding negative phrase that goes with it. It says, seek those things which are above not those things which are earthly when paul writes not on the things of this earth he's not saying that we should just become oblivious to the fact that we live on planet earth that we should walk around like a bunch of zombies not paying attention to what we're doing running red lights getting in trouble just acting like we don't care what's going on on this earth he's not talking about that at all We all have to deal with the earthly things of life do we not we have families to care for we have investments that we're concerned about we have businesses to run we have all kinds of things that are part of being citizens of this earth and paul is not saying disconnect from all of that he's just saying don't get so caught up in all of that that you lose your focus here's a good illustration In Psalm 6210, for all of us who are thinking about finances today, listen to what it says. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Isn't that an incredible injunction? You know, there's not anything wrong with increasing riches. In fact, it's kind of nice just to think about when that used to be possible, that we had riches that (laughs) increased. I mean, that was a wonderful time earlier in our life. But here's what Paul is saying. If your riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. And you know what happens if you follow that instruction? When the stock market starts to go down, you don't have such an investment in it that it just destroys your life. How do you do that? How do you function like that? Well, maybe I can give you an illustration that helps me think about it. We travel sometimes internationally. We've been to Europe, we've been to Africa, And of course, when you go to another nation, to another time zone, you have an immediate problem with the fact that your body doesn't want to adjust immediately. And what most people do when they travel internationally is they set their watch to the time of the nation or the time zone where they're going to be. Now, I need to tell you, I'm stubborn about that. And I don't do that. I keep my watch on San Diego time. And I calculated in my mind what time it is over there based upon what time it is in San Diego. And when I'm away on Sunday, I look down at my watch and I think, you know what, they're about ready to have church back there. And I'm reminded that in San Diego, it's church time. Now it might be midnight where I am, but in San Diego, it's church time. I keep my watch set on the time of my homeland. And I adjust everything else around that. That's what Paul is saying. Keep your time set on heaven. Keep your clock connected with heavenly time. Live your life, obviously. You have to live your life, but don't lose your focus. Keep your mind and your heart centered on heavenly things. Stay centered on Christ. Learn to say with the psalmist, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. That's the way we feel about our Lord, isn't it? He's the one that we love and the one in whose favor we seek to live our lives. When we think about Christ, what should we think about him? Now, this isn't about just saying, Jesus Christ is my life, Jesus Christ is my life. I mean, that might help somebody, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He gives us here in this text an agenda for how we should think about Christ, how we should center our thoughts on heaven. And I just want to go through that agenda quickly because it's right here in the text and we'll take it just in the order that it comes. When we think about Christ, what should we think about? Well, first of all, we should stay centered on our identity with him. Stay centered on your identity with Christ. Here it says, if then you are raised with Christ. The word if is better translated by the word since because it's a first-class condition. It means because it's happened. Not if it might happen, but because it has already happened. When Paul mentions our relationship with the resurrection of Christ, he's using a metaphor that is very consistent in all of his writings, especially in the book of Romans. According to Paul, listen carefully, when Christ died, we died with him. When he was buried, we went into the grave with him. When he came out of the grave, we rose with him. When he was seated in the heavenlies next to the Father, we were seated in the heavenlies with him. When the Bible says that Jesus died for us, it doesn't mean simply that he died in our behalf. It means he died in our place. He died in our stead. He died where we should have died. He died for us. And the Bible says that because that is true, That just as Adam was the federal head for sin, Christ is the federal head for salvation. And in Christ, because he died for us, we are in Christ and we participate in all that he did. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That's what the scripture says. Here's the way this works. If you go through the scriptures, you will see Consistently, this phrase come up, and maybe we haven 't noticed it before, but let 's just notice it quickly. The Bible says we were crucified with christ galatians two twenty I am crucified with Christ, Paul said, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. We were buried with christ romans six four therefore we were buried with him through baptism. We were raised together with christ here 's our verse in Colossians chapter three and In other words, in all that Christ did for us in the redemptive work, our sins are forgiven, our guilt is gone. It all took place because of what Jesus did when he was crucified and buried, and the third day came out of the tomb and was raised in victory over death. And the Bible says that that all happened to him, and because of our identity with him, it happened to us. It even says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven and that we are seated together with him in that place. Let me just read to you these words from Romans which are a commentary on what I have just said. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism and death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life for we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Our relationship with Christ is not some old life. It is a brand new life. We have come out of the grave with him, and we have been resurrected to a whole new life. As Tennyson used to say, oh, that a man would arise in me, that the man I am would cease to be. And Jesus Christ is the answer to that quest. He came so that we could become what we could never by ourselves become. Through his death and burial and resurrection, we have arisen to a new life. And just as surely as Christ marched out of the tomb that first Easter Sunday, there was a day when David Jeremiah was resurrected through faith in Jesus Christ. And in that moment, all things passed away and all things became new. And I began to walk in newness of life before I was dead toward God. And alive to sin but when Jesus took over my life I became dead to sin and alive to God and sin no longer had a reign over me even though sometimes I give in and don't live the way I should I no longer have to be servant to sin because I have been resurrected in Jesus Christ and I have been set free amen (laughs) Paul says Set your mind and your thought on the fact that you are identified with Christ in all that he has done to make you a new person. Think about that. That'll take a few minutes. (laughs) Secondly, center your attention on Christ. Stay centered on your authority with Christ. Notice what it says next in verse 1. It says, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now, that's something we need to ponder for a moment. Where is Jesus Christ right now? He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. That is the position of authority. The right hand is the position of authority. And the Bible explains to us what this means in Ephesians chapter 1, where we read that God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age which is to come and he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all and in all the bible says that jesus is in heaven set your affection on things above here's something we need to consider Seated at the right hand of the Father is Jesus Christ, who is in charge of everything. He's in control. He is in control of the stock market. He is in control of all of the international financial issues. He is in control. The Bible says everything in heaven and everything on earth. Everything in the age to come and everything in the current age, he's in control. Say that with me. He is in control. Now, it's a good thing to think about that, isn't it? When everything else is out of control, set your affection on the one who is in control. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? And I know that if I set my affection on him, he'll show me what to do. And he'll help me know how to make good decisions as we go through this very confusing time of chaos. So stay centered on your identity with Christ. Stay centered on your authority with Christ. Thirdly, stay centered on your security with Christ. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The Bible says that when Christ died, we died. So we're died to the old life. And now that's what happened in the past. Here's what's going on in the present. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I won't feel very secure in myself. But I do feel secure in Christ, and I feel secure in God. And the Bible says, I have both. I am secure in Christ and in God. Notice, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm in Christ, and I'm in God, and I'm safe. This is the double lock on the security of my life. You say, what does that mean? Well, let me help you with that. Let me turn with you to a passage of scripture in the book of John, which I love because it's a wonderful passage to help people who feel insecure in their relationship with God. This is what it says. It says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. There's the picture again, isn't it? I'm in Christ, Christ is in God, I have a double lock on my security. I am safe in Christ. I am hidden with Christ in God. So I might go into the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I just look around and there's Jesus in the fire with me. Amen, amen. Stay centered, that's what we're talking about. Set your affection on things above. Well, we'll have some more of that tomorrow as we continue our journey, Um, learning how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. I'm going to keep telling you about this book every day because I want you to get it. I know for some of you it takes two or three times before you finally pull the trigger. So here's, I don't know, number 15 or whatever, telling you that this book, 230 pages, totally revised and redesigned, is now available to you for a gift of any size during the month of April. This book has in it everything I am saying on the air, plus a bunch more, and all of the footnotes and all of the bibliography, everything that you would be interested in. You can teach this to others, and there's a study guide you can get from our website, a CD package that captures all the audio teaching. You're set up for a good small group if you want to be. Get these study guides for your participators. You can have the book and the CDs and facilitate a discussion on these things that are so pertinent to where we are today as Christians remember now, ask for the book when you send your gift and we'll see you next time right here on the Turning Point Network
1: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah.